Allah the Almighty perfected religion and the Sharia, i.e. the religious law through the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and stated in the Holy Quran, Al-Yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum, wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati, wa razitu lakum al-Islam ad-deena. That is, this day have I perfected your religion for you, and completed my favour upon you, and have chosen for you Islam as religion. Thus, this is a great favour of Allah the Almighty upon the Muslims, in that He has granted them a perfect and complete Sharia. And it is only Islam that has made such a claim, and no other religion has done so. And that claim is that the final religion is Islam, and this religion is one that is dearest in the sight of Allah the Almighty. And now, if one wants to attain the pleasure of Allah the Almighty, they have no other choice but by accepting Islam and by acting upon its teachings. Allah the Almighty announces that it is only through its teachings of the Holy Qur'an that one can attain moral and spiritual progress. In fact, this teaching is so perfect that even to attain worldly success, one can only do so by adhering to this very teaching. Thus, in relation to its teaching, when Allah the Almighty states akmaldu, i.e. that he has perfected it, it means that all of one's abilities, be they moral, spiritual and physical, they can only be attained by adhering to the Holy Qur'an. And this perfect teaching can only be attained through the Holy Qur'an if one truly wants to adhere to it. 
and then by stating at the mantu, i.e. that he has completed it, it emphatically states that it is the Holy Qur'an alone that can fulfill every aspect of one's needs. There is no need which the Qur'an has not addressed, whether it is pertaining to one's material need or spiritual or the ways how to attain different stages of one's morality. Whatever one searches for can be found in the teachings of the Holy Qur'an, provided one analyzes with justice. Thus, through this verse, the Holy Qur'an has openly announced that man can only survive by following this teaching alone, and that this teaching is for every era and for every person throughout the world. Furthermore, all the teachings that were revealed through prophets in the past were only temporary and relevant to that particular era alone. Those teachings were not for all of mankind. The promised Messiah has openly announced that this is proof of the fact that the reason for the Holy Prophet peace be upon him's advent has been fulfilled. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was the perfect and final Prophet on whom the perfect teaching was revealed. Thus, this is our belief and this is what we stand for wholeheartedly. Those who level allegations against the promised Messiah allege that if this is what we believe and if we accept that the Qur'an is the final law and that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is the final Prophet, then what is the need of the Promised Messiah claim? What is the reason for the Promised Messiah claim? And what was the reason for his advent? The Promised Messiah has answered this in many ways and in one place he states that if you were acting upon the Islamic teachings then there would be no need for my advent. However, the Promised Messiah states the general state of the era and of the Muslims in particular are calling out that there is a need for a muallim that is one who can teach the faith. Furthermore, with regards to the world forgetting these teachings, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, himself stated that for its revival, a mujaddid, a reformer, would appear in every century. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, prophesied that in spite of the Holy Quran being a complete teaching, the Muslims will forget its teachings and new innovations will appear among them. And therefore, to revive the faith, Reformers will continue to appear, and in the latter days, the promised Messiah and Imam Mahdi will appear, who will bring faith back down to the earth from the Pleiades. The promised Messiah has written throughout his literature, writings, and books that, in complete subservience to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he has come to propagate the Sharia and religion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him.
and the teachings of the Holy Qur'an in the world and that the faith has been perfected through the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The Promised Messiah stated that he has appeared to spread this very teaching to every corner of the earth. The perfection of faith was completed through the revelation of the Holy Qur'an which was bestowed upon the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And since there were not the means in that time to propagate this guidance, therefore in accordance with Allah the Almighty's promise, he sent the Promised Messiah the ardent devotee of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him in this era for its propagation. This is the task which the Promised Messiah carried out and to continue this, the Ahmadiyya community was established. And the Ahmadiyya community is carrying out this very task in accordance with his literature and explanations of the Holy Qur'an. And every single Ahmadi, therefore, must pay attention as to what degree they are fulfilling this objective. Although as a community there are programs for this, but one should also do this on an individual basis as well. Thus, the purpose of our Pledge of Allegiance, Ayyubat, will only be fulfilled when we keep this objective in mind. And in order to do so, we must always pay attention to reading and understanding the Holy Qur'an. And the best way to do this is through the books and writings of the Promised Messiah, I have been stating the qualities and excellences of the Holy Qur'an in light of the writings of the Promised Messiah for some time now. And today I shall present his writings in relation to the perfection of the Holy Qur'an and the perfection of its teachings. The Promised Messiah states, It is well established that the Holy Qur'an has duly perfected the faith as it affirms itself. That is, this day I have perfected your religion for you and have completed my favour unto you and am pleased to choose Islam as your faith. Thus, there is no need for any other book after the Holy Quran for it sets out all that is needed by man. The Promised Messiah further states, Now only the door of converse with God is open. Indeed, Allah the Almighty speaks to his special servants, and so the door of converse remains open. However, it is not a new teaching. The Promised Messiah further states, that the door of converse is open but not automatically. True and holy words which are clearly imbued with divine help and comprise many hidden matters are acquired after the purification of the soul only through following the Holy Qur'an and obeying the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The Holy Qur'an is a perfect book, therefore it is by following it and in complete obedience to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that one can attain the path to develop a bond with Allah the Almighty. And there is no other avenue nor means beside this. And the Promised Messiah has stated 
that the station he has been granted was due to this. Then, in relation to the perfect guidance of the Holy Qur'an, the promised Messiah further states, The Holy Qur'an does not require one to merely abandon sin and therefore deem themselves a person of excellence. In other words, abandoning evil alone does not enable one to attain excellence. Rather, it desires, i.e. the Holy Qur'an desires to bring one to the highest stages of perfection and excellent morals. The Holy Qur'an does not only require one to abandon sin, but it also desires to produce a high level of excellence and good morals in them. That is to say, one must forsake evil and in their place adopt high morals. The Promised Messiah further states, Such actions are then carried out which are for the benefit of and sympathy to mankind, and as a result of these, Allah the Almighty is pleased with them. In other words, the pleasure of Allah the Almighty should be the objective. Hence, this is the mindset in accordance with the Qur'anic teachings which one should have. And we must analyse ourselves that if this is the mindset we have, are we only claiming to read it like others or are we truly inculcating these changes within us? And also, are we developing a special relationship with Allah the Almighty? The Holy Qur'an is especially recited during the month of Ramadan and dars i lectures are also listened to. And so to inculcate these in one's life is also necessary and we have also promised to do this in our oath of allegiance, i.e. Bad. It is mentioned in the Ten Conditions of the Bad that one will wholly accept the authority of the Holy Qur'an for themselves. Therefore, during this Ramadan, if each and every one of us pledges to act upon this and makes a firm resolve to act upon the teachings of the Holy Qur'an, then not only will we be progressing in our spirituality, but also our society will become like a paradise. Moreover, the disputes and arguments that arise from time to time at home and amongst families will transform into love and affection. Furthermore, whilst elaborating on the fact that the seed of divine sharia, i.e. the religious law, reached its apex at the time of the Holy Qur'an, the Promised Messiah states, The Holy Qur'an is perfect and complete in its commandments of goodness and prohibitions of evil. In other words, it definitively guides towards deeds that one should perform and elucidates on practices one should abstain from. The Promised Messiah continues, Thus, through the Holy Qur'an, God desired to bring about the reformation of all evil, even after human nature has reached the depths of depravity and people have exceeded the bounds of misguidance and immorality. Thus, in light of this, God revealed the Holy Qur'an at a time when such evil in fact had taken root in humankind and with the passage of time, sinful beliefs and practices pervaded the human condition. Divine wisdom demanded that God's perfect word should descend at such a time because if this teaching was revealed before such ills had even emerged amongst people and who were completely unaware of such ill practices, then this would be, in other words, inciting them to those ills. 
In other words, if one were to be informed from before that there are such and such kinds of ills and people previously did not even have any concept of them, then this would in fact become a means of spreading them. These days, we observe this in the educational system as well. For example, children are taught about matters such as physical relations of which they have absolutely no concept. And so they are troubled and bewildered by such matters and now parents have also raised their voices against what is being taught. In fact, the Ministry of Education has also acknowledged this concern. Some teachers have crossed the limits and have introduced ideas and concepts to children that they cannot grasp until they have reached a mature age. Therefore, this is the difference between the law of the Sharia and secular law. This principle distinguishes the guidance found within the Holy Quran in that it gives guidance and elucidation based on an individual's age. It does not impart everything openly for all ages. And then many commentaries have gradually emerged from its words according to the intelligence and understanding of the various people. The promised Messiah further states that the seed of God's revelation was planted at the time of Prophet Adam and this same seed of God's Sharia arrived at its final stage and developed into a large tree at the time of the Holy Quran. Thus, as more vices spread, their remedy also manifested according to the time. This is another feature of the Holy Quran. There is a remedy found in its teachings for all the vices that are prevalent in every era. And we are informed of this by the pious servants of Allah the Almighty who write its commentaries. The promised Messiah further states, since this perfect book was destined to bring about perfect reformation, it was necessary for spiritual disease to be at its peak at the time and place of its revelation as well. This was so that a perfect remedy could be provided for each and every malady. As such, this peninsula, i.e. in Arabia, was home to ailing people of all sorts who suffered from every spiritual illness that was to afflict the people of that age or those of future generations. Here it has been further explained that these spiritual ills were either present at the time or were going to become prevalent in the future generations and the Holy Quran provided a teaching for all of these. Since the Sharia was being perfected and so whatever spiritual ills were to appear in the future were also explained as well as the time for these was not too far ahead. This is why the exegetes of the Holy Quran explained the Holy Quran in accordance to the circumstances of the time and were told to what extent they were to explain and expound upon the Holy Quran. The Promised Messiah continues, This is why the Qur'an brought all religious law to its perfection and at the time of the revelation of other books, neither was this needed nor did they possess such a perfect teaching. The Promised Messiah here proved that the Jews and Christians themselves were acknowledging that the era was one which had become extremely corrupted and that there was a need for a religious law at the time. Then, whilst explaining that the Holy Qur'an can certainly not be likened to any work of a human, the Promised Messiah states, and does so by presenting an example, that to illustrate, it should be quite obvious to every reasonable person that if various writers were to write, in other words, those who speak and write well, if they were to write utilizing the best of their intellectual prowess, a piece of prose, free from frivolity, falsehood, meanness, unwarranted verbosity, satire, 
and every kind of ambiguous and uncouth language, and all such defects that conflict with wisdom, lucidity and eloquence, and is also completely pure and free from all such grave defects that are contrary to perfection and comprehensiveness. In other words, to be free from all kinds of trivialities, falsehood, vain and immoral things, and also mockery and derision, etc. And also to be free from those things which are worthless and do not even make any sense, and which are devoid of wisdom and eloquence. A person who is a good writer, they will try to write something which is free from all these kinds of defects. This is the hallmark of a good writer, that its writing is free from all kinds of immoralities and frivolities. The Promised Messiah states, and at the same time, is absolutely comprehensive and truthful and is full of wisdom, lucidity and eloquence, truths and verities. Then the one who would stand out above all of them will indeed be the one who possesses the greatest intellectual prowess, extensive general knowledge, expertise in deep intellectual subjects, and who is also the most skilled in the art of writing prose. In other words, only a person who is well-educated, a scholar and well-experienced can write such a piece of prose of this standard and which is free from all of those ills and weaknesses. The Promised Messiah states, and in no event would it be possible for a person who is inferior to him in ability, knowledge, skills, experience, mind and intellect to be able to equal him in respect of the eloquence of his writing. Therefore, one who does not possess these abilities cannot write something of an equal standard. The Promised Messiah further states, Another example is that of a physician who is an expert in his profession, in other words, an expert doctor who has acquired proficiency in the diagnosis and treatment of disease over many years of experience. In other words, he has complete knowledge of the illness and he is able to diagnose its different stages effectively. The Promised Messiah then further states, and he is also outstanding in his knowledge of literature and has achieved outstanding preeminence as a writer and a poet. In other words, this is another quality he possesses. The Promised Messiah states, In such a case, when this physician explains the causes, the nature and the symptoms of a disease, then he will be able to do it far more accurately, truthfully, lucidly and eloquently than a person who is not even remotely acquainted with medicine and is also absolutely ignorant of the subtleties of literary expression. In other words, the other person who does not possess such qualities will not be able to explain these as eloquently as compared to the one who possesses knowledge and expertise in his field and also the skill of being able to express himself and also the art of research. The one with limited knowledge will not be able to match him in this regard and will be inferior to him. 
The Promised Messiah salam, further states, It is an obvious and easily understandable fact that there is always a difference to some extent between the discourse of the ignorant and the wise. And a man's intellectual excellence is always reflected in his scholarly exposition, just as a face is reflected in a clear mirror. The words that a person utters in his exposition of truth and wisdom are considered a yardstick for measuring his intellectual abilities. The Promised Messiah further states, The words that flow from the spring of the vastness of knowledge and perfect reason, and those that emerge from narrow, constricted, dark and limited thought are as clearly distinct. In other words, one's discourse can be likened to a spring of knowledge and verities, whilst the other's discourse is very basic and the difference can be clearly observed. The Promised Messiah further states, The difference is apparent just as fragrance is distinct from foul smell, provided that one's sense of smell is not congenitally defective or temporarily impaired. You may reflect and ponder over it as much as you wish. You will not find any flaw in this truth, nor find any chink in it from any perspective. Now that it has been established from every angle that differences that lie concealed in literary and intellectual prowess will indeed be reflected in one's speech, and it is on no account possible that those who are most excellent and superior in reason and knowledge should be equal to others in lucidity of expression or exaltedness of meaning, and that no distinction remains between them. Those who possess knowledge and wisdom will always be superior in this regard and cannot be equal in rank to an ordinary person. This truth entails yet another truth, namely that the word of God has to be the most excellent and superior to and incomparable vis-à-vis the word of man, both in its external and internal excellences. Through this example, it proves that the word of Allah the Almighty is superior to everything, for it is Allah the Almighty who possesses every knowledge, and no one has more knowledge than him. The Promised Messiah further states, This is because no one's knowledge can equal the perfect knowledge of God, and this is what God refers to in the verse, meaning that if the disbelievers fail to produce anything like this Qur'an and are unable to take up its challenge, know then that this word, i.e. the Qur'an, has not flowed from man's knowledge but from the knowledge of God. Since they cannot even produce a single example like this, then it is obvious that this is not the work of any man but the word of God. And in comparison to his boundless and perfect knowledge, all human knowledge is worthless and insignificant. This verse uses a kind of inductive argument to prove the existence of the cause from the existence of the effect. To put it briefly, in other words, it says that divine knowledge, on account of its perfection and comprehensiveness, can never be similar to the defective knowledge of man. Thus, it is essential that the word which springs from perfect and incomparable knowledge must itself be perfect and incomparable and must possess a perfect distinction over the words of man. This is the very perfection that is demonstrated in the Holy Qur'an. Thus, the Holy Qur'an has claimed to be perfect in every respect and there is no one that can challenge it either now nor in the future. The Promised Messiah then states that the Holy Qur'an has reached perfection in ranks of knowledge and in the ranks of conduct. The Promised Messiah in relation to this states, 
Just as the Holy Qur'an conveys one to the highest degree of perfection in the ranks of knowledge, in the same way one also attains perfection in the ranks of conduct through it. In other words, it conveys one to perfection in both knowledge and in conduct. The Promised Messiah further states that the signs and light of being accepted by the one true God have always appeared and continue to appear in those who follow this holy word, but they never appear in the others. In conclusion, this proof which one can observe with one's own eyes is sufficient for a seeker after truth. That is, those heavenly blessings and divine signs are found only in the perfect followers of the Holy Qur'an. If one completely adheres to the teaching of the Holy Qur'an, then they will also witness signs. People often ask that they have not witnessed any signs or that even though they prayed for so long, their prayers were not answered. In regards to this, Allah the Almighty states that for this one needs to hearken to His words and have perfect belief in Him and act upon His guidance. When one does this, then their prayers shall also be answered by Allah the Almighty. Thus, this is also a quality of the Holy Qur'an in that those who follow the teachings of the Qur'an attain extraordinary blessings. The Promised Messiah states that the Holy Qur'an has encapsulated all the truths and verities in a perfectly concise manner. The word ijaz here does not mean miracle, but rather has been spelled with alif, ya and jim in Arabic, which means to cover it in a concise manner. In regards to this, the Promised Messiah states, The Holy Qur'an has demonstrated its fluency and eloquence in keeping with the norms of truth and wisdom and true need and has, with utmost conciseness, comprehended all religious verities, and thus it is full of clear proofs for silencing every opponent and denier. The Promised Messiah further states, and one sees flowing through it a deep and limpid river of thousands of subtle points of wisdom and verities for the perfection of the believer's certainty. In whatever matter it has seen disorder, it has striven for the reformation of these very matters, with whatever intensity it has found the habit of going to extremes, it has countered it with equal strength. It has provided remedies for all kinds of maladies that were widespread and wiped out all the false doctrines of false religions. In other words, it has removed all the doubts raised by the false religions and answered every objection. There is no verity that it does not mention and no misguided sect that it does not counter. All those who are misguided it has refuted the arguments as well. There are clear commandments in this regard. And the Promised Messiah further states, and what a wonder it is that it does not contain a single sentence that is unnecessary or any statement out of place or a single word of frivolity. Notwithstanding due regard to all these matters, it has displayed such a degree of fluency, more than which cannot be imagined. In other words, it has covered all aspects and did, and did so in a very concise and yet eloquent and in an articulate manner. The Promised Messiah states, It has raised eloquence to the highest level of perfection by encompassing all past and future knowledge within a small book by virtue of an excellent arrangement, brevity and a closely reasoned discourse. Thus, 
It contained knowledge for those who came in earlier times, just as I've explained earlier, where the promised Messiah mentioned that the Arab Bedouins were also able to understand the Holy Quran and they became spiritual and well-educated people. And at the same time, those who possessed knowledge were also able to understand it in accordance to the intellect. Moreover, it is not just for those who came before, but also for those who came later. The teaching of the Holy Quran is such that its commentaries give new meaning to each word of it in every age and provides guidance for us in every age. The promised Messiah further states that all of this knowledge has been placed in a small book so that man whose life is short and whose works are many may be relieved of many a headache and so that its eloquence may benefit Islam in the propagation of its doctrines and it may be easy to memorize and remember it. People even memorize the Qur'an, especially children at a young age. And in his book, Brahin Ahmadiyya, the Promised Messiah has proven that with respect to its written composition and eloquence, only the Holy Qur'an can present such verities which are unparalleled, and scriptures such as the Bible, etc. can no longer be deemed divine owing to human interpolation. Then, with regards to the miracle of the Qur'an's succinct composition, the Promised Messiah says, When a just person reads the Holy Qur'an, he will immediately find that the Holy Qur'an has accomplished such a marvel in brevity of expression, an essential requirement of eloquence. In other words, the Qur'an has superbly explained things in such a short but clear manner. The Promised Messiah continues that despite comprising all essentials of the faith and completely satisfying all proofs and arguments, it is so small in size that a person can easily read it in a few hours from beginning to end. In other words, the words of the Qur'an are concise so that people can read it with ease. The Promised Messiah then further states, Look, what a great miracle the Holy Qur'an's eloquence is in that it encapsulates a raging ocean of knowledge within three or four juz, i.e. parts and encompasses an entire universe of wisdom within a few pages. Has anyone ever seen or heard of a book of such a small size that contains eternal truths for all times? Can the intellect of any wise man assign to any man the grand status of capturing an ocean of wisdom in just a few words wherein no truth pertaining to religious knowledge is left out? Here the promised Messiah is drawing a comparison to the Vedas, i.e. the holy book of the Hindus. And the promised Messiah proved that the Vedas has not been composed in the manner as the Holy Qur'an has. Moreover, the Vedas has long passages which are difficult to read. The promised Messiah challenged all faiths to come forth and he would demonstrate these qualities of the Holy Qur'an. In this era, no one besides the promised Messiah has posed such a challenge to the whole world. Despite this, the allegation is levelled against us that we, God forbid, dishonour the Holy Qur'an. The era in which the Holy Qur'an was revealed necessitated a perfect teaching. In relation to this, the promised Messiah states, It is the Holy Qur'an alone that imparts a perfect teaching and it was only during its time that such a teaching would be revealed. This has been briefly mentioned earlier as well. The Promised Messiah continues, Thus it is the Holy Qur'an alone that can claim to impart a perfect teaching and no other divine scripture besides it has made such a claim. 
The Promised Messiah further states, In my view, a believer is he who truly adheres to the Holy Quran and believes it to be the seal of books. This is the hallmark of a believer. To believe this Sharia brought by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to be everlasting, to never alter even an iota of its message, to become completely and selflessly absorbed in its adherence, and to sacrifice every particle of their being for it, and to ensure their actions and ideologies do not conflict with its Sharia. If one accomplishes this, then they can be considered a true Muslim. Thus, we must evaluate ourselves in this respect. Then, regards to the Holy Qur'an being the final book, the Promised Messiah states, The advent of the Holy Qur'an came at a time when every need that could possibly arise had come about. In other words, everything pertaining to morals, beliefs, words and actions had corrupted, while every sort of excess and disorder had reached its limit. It was for this reason that the teachings of the Holy Qur'an were revealed to the greatest degree. This is exactly why the law of the Holy Qur'an was deemed complete and perfect, while previous laws were incomplete, because the disorders in previous eras which those revealed scriptures came had not reached their pinnacle, whereas they had at the time of the Holy Qur'an. Many people, children or those stepping into adolescence ask questions about this, and this is the response for them. That is, the disorders in previous eras had not reached their pinnacle, whereas in this case, at the time of the Holy Qur'an, they had reached its peak, which is why the teaching also reached the pinnacle, and hence the Holy Qur'an was revealed. This is how, through the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, the foundation of Islam was laid. The Promised Messiah further states, Therefore, the distinction between the Holy Qur'an and other revealed scriptures is that even if the previous scriptures were to remain pure from any sort of distortion, because they presented an incomplete teaching, it was still necessary that a complete teaching, in other words, the Holy Qur'an, manifest at some point. They had not even faced certain things, so how could they have addressed them? Their teachings were incomplete, which is why the advent of the Holy Qur'an was necessary. The Promised Messiah continues, however, the Holy Qur'an does not require for there to be another book after it, because there is no level beyond perfection. If, for the sake of conversation, it so happened that at some point the true principles of the Holy Qur'an were turned into polytheistic principles, like those of the Vedas or the Gospels, and the teaching of God's unity were altered and distorted, or, hypothetically, there comes a time when the millions of monotheistic Muslims around the world adopt polytheism and worship the creation, then it can be accepted that another law and messenger would be required. In other words, if such conditions come about, then this will certainly happen. However, both such notions are merely hypothetical. This is because it is impossible in light of the fact that Allah the Almighty has promised to protect this law Himself. Moreover, it was for this very purpose for which the Promised Messiah was sent and this is exactly what our duty is as well. Then the Promised Messiah states, as Allah the Almighty has repeatedly stated, the necessary requirements for salvation are that firstly, one believes Allah the Almighty to be one and without any partner and believes in the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to be a true prophet and believes the Holy Quran to be the book of Allah and that this book is such that after it, no other law can come. 
In other words, there is no need for any other book or law after the Holy Qur'an. And regarding the greatness of the Qur'anic revelation, the Promised Messiah states, God's curse be on those who claim that they can produce something similar to the Holy Qur'an. The Holy Qur'an is a miracle, the like of which cannot be produced by any man or jinn. It possesses such knowledge and excellences which cannot be brought together through human knowledge. In fact, its revelation is unmatched by other revelations even if the merciful God were to send down other revelations after it. This is because God manifests Himself through His revelations and it is known for certain that the manner in which God Almighty manifested Himself to the seal of the Prophets was never manifested to anyone before and nor will it be manifested to anyone ever again. The greatness of the Qur'anic revelation cannot be compared with the degree of revelation received by the awliya, i.e. the pious people or the friends of Allah. The awliya can certainly receive revelation, but it cannot match the same greatness as that of the Holy Qur'an, even if some words resembling the words of the Qur'an are revealed to them. This is why the scope of Qur'anic knowledge encompasses all others, for every kind of knowledge, intricate and hidden matters are gathered within it, while its finer points are at the highest degree of depth. It supersedes all others in presentation and proofs and it possesses the highest degree of knowledge, that is, the miracle of God, the likes of which none have ever heard, and its grandeur cannot be matched by the works of jinn or men. The example of the Qur'an and other works is like that of a vision seen by a just, brave and wise king. If an example is to be taken, then it can be of a king who was very just and brave and who saw a dream. And a similar dream was seen by an ordinary person who was unintelligent and cowardly, i.e. another person who was not of the same stature but was a common person who was not very intelligent or brave. The Promised Messiah states, There is no doubt that although the dream seen by the king and the dream seen by the ordinary person appeared to be the same, i.e. the dreams were similar, however, a wise person having knowledge of interpretation would not consider them to be the same. An intelligent person who knows how to interpret will say that these dreams are not the same because the interpretation of the just king is of a high standard, generally applicable, beneficial, in favour of all people, full of good and blessings and clearly current, and his dream has a wide scope. However, in most cases, the ordinary person's vision is not free from being muddled in impurities and aside from him it does not impact anyone beyond their children, parents or a handful of friends. In other words, its scope is limited to their family, children, father or other relatives and friends. And if there is anything beneficial, then it is limited only to them. The Promised Messiah further states, Perhaps even travellers who are strangers, in other words, travellers can be included as well, as the Promised Messiah says that a dream seen by an ordinary person can be impactful to others as well, albeit only to those who are in proximity. And it is still limited to those that the person knows. They come down from their saddles and crawl into nests. The Promised Messiah has used this idiom meaning that they become limited and they cannot have a wider scope. However, the state of those embarked upon the Holy Qur'an is such that they traverse every boundary of the dwelling. In other words, they are wide in scope. The Holy Qur'an is the single book under which flow streams of knowledge and no one's eloquence can soar above it. In other words, no one can mention anything greater than it. The Promised Messiah further states, Every treasure keeper finds their treasures and blessings from it, 
and in my estimation, without incurring this debt, every person whose divine communion is left empty-handed. If one does not take benefit here, then there is no other book that can be deemed correct either. A loan is strictly demanded to be paid with great effort to the extent that one is even taken before a judge to obtain his payment. However, the Holy Qur'an gives alms to those who are poor and eliminates all of their difficulties. In fact, it grants blocks of gold to those who are sincere. People start legal battles with those they have given loans to. However, the Holy Qur'an provides such knowledge which causes streams of knowledge and understanding to continuously flow. It is as if one is receiving gold blocks. The Holy Qur'an does not boast its favours to those it has given loans. Rather, it encourages people to collect gold as it were. The promised Messiah states, First, we were made vessels. Then we were satiated by the streams of the Qur'an. If you ask me, at first I was a mere vessel and I filled myself with water from the stream of the Holy Qur'an. This is a passage in Arabic which is why it has been written in a unique style and it has been translated accordingly as well. The Promised Messiah then further states, In my view, may God's curse be on those who reject the brilliance of the Qur'an whilst deeming their own words and works to be everlasting. By God, we drink from that fountain and are adorned with its beauty. This is why in our words there is light and purity and our speech sparkles with light, healing, freshness and beauty. The Promised Messiah then further states, Aside from the Qur'an, there is none other who has done a favour upon me, and it has nurtured me in a manner that cannot be replicated by a mother or father. Hence, God gave me that pleasant water to drink, and we found it to be enlightening and helpful. The Promised Messiah states, If I did not have any signs of God with me, and was not accompanied by the help and support from Him, or if I had carved out a path distinct from that of the Holy Qur'an, or if I had intruded into or modified the Qur'anic commandments and sharia, or had abrogated it, or if I had advocated a new path besides that of following the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then it would have been justified and the objection of the people would have been reasonable and worthy of being accepted that this person in reality is an enemy of God and the messenger of God and a denier of the Holy Qur'an and of its teachings and one who abrogates them. The Promised Messiah says, that if there was something that he had said which was contrary to the Holy Qur'an and the sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then it was their right to say these things, that he is a transgressor, a sinner. And they could even label him as these, and an apostate. However, the Promised Messiah states, But I have not made any changes of the Qur'an, or altered even a dot or an iota of the current sharia brought by the Holy Prophet, Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Quite to the contrary, I am dedicated to the service of the Qur'an, and the Qur'anic commandments, and the pure religion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and have devoted my entire life to this path. Moreover, I firmly believe that salvation is not at all possible without the Holy Qur'an, which is the perfect, complete and comprehensive book, and without its perfect obedience, and without following the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. I believe that anyone who adds or subtracts anything from the Qur'an or refuses the yoke of obedience of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is an infidel and an apostate i.e. the one who removes themselves from the obedience of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and removes the yoke of submission from their neck, they are an apostate and a disbeliever. The Promised Messiah continues, 
So this being the case, and in spite of the manifestation of thousands of signs, it is not a mere claim of the Promised Messiah rather Allah the Almighty has manifested signs for him, and the prophecies of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him regarding the Promised Messiah have been fulfilled, and so have the prophecies of the Holy Quran. Similarly, the prophecies vouchsafed to the Promised Messiah by Allah the Almighty were fulfilled, and they are being fulfilled now as well. The Promised Messiah continues, and in spite of the manifestation of thousands of signs in the heavens and the earth from God in support of my truthfulness, if a person still calls me a liar, a fabricator, and the great deceiver, or does not show deference to me and does not lend an ear to my call, he should know for certain that God will never ever leave him without calling him to account for it. They will be held accountable for it at some point. Thus, this is the claim of the Promised Messiah and we firmly believe it, and it is only through him that the Quranic knowledge and verities have made their way to us, and that he has completely adhered to the Holy Quran, and that he has imparted his true understanding to us. Those who claim that, God forbid, the Promised Messiah and his community dishonor the Holy Quran should be fearful. This is because these are the words of one who has been chosen by Allah the Almighty. Those who do not seize in their opposition will not be spared by God and will be brought into account. Allah the Almighty knows better how He will punish them and how He will hold them accountable. In many instances, the Promised Messiah has discussed matters in relation to some of the commandments of the Holy Quran. And I will make mention of a few of these instances. In respect to the lofty teachings of upholding justice, the Promised Messiah states, It is exceedingly difficult to demonstrate justice towards nations who unjustly cause harm, pain and bloodshed, and who maliciously pursue others and kill children and women, as did the disbelievers of Makkah, and do not desist in stirring conflict. Despite such people's cruelties, we have teachings to demonstrate justice, which is a truly arduous task. However, the teachings of the Qur'an do not discard the rights of even the bitterest of enemies and gives injunctions for justice. This is a principle that can bring about peace in society and also guarantee peace in the world. If the nations of today engaged in worldly wars come to understand this principle, then peace can indeed be established. Otherwise, the circumstances developing right now are leading the world towards a catastrophic destruction. Whether a single nation makes this effort or its counterparts, or whether leaders visit other nations such as China, etc., but if they do not establish justice, then there will be certain destruction. At another instance, the Promised Messiah presents another example and states, if one examines the world at the time in which the Holy Qur'an was revealed, one would observe the practice of having an extreme number of wives. Many marriages would take place and men would have up to 80 or even 100 wives. Women would be subjected to many injustices and face many cruelties. One must admit that the Holy Qur'an bestowed the world the favour of ending all such injustices. It is the favour of Allah the Almighty and the Holy Qur'an that through its teachings, he brought an end to all such wrongdoings. Prior to Islam, 
Women were given no respect, there were no restrictions to marriage, there were no rights. And it was the Holy Qur'an that established these rights which there was no concept prior to Islam. The Promised Messiah then states, The Holy Qur'an is not confined merely to knowledge gained through continuity of hearing. It contains well-reasoned arguments which carry conviction. Not one of the doctrines and principles and commandments that it sets forth is sought to be imposed merely by authority. There is no compulsion in the commandments. And Allah the Almighty states, La ikraha fiddin That is, Islam does not try to inculcate anything by compulsion. Rather, it sets forth reasons in support of everything. And it explains everything through arguments and encourages one to accept it. Then, whilst issuing a challenge to the world with regards to the perfect teachings of the Holy Qur'an, the Promised Messiah says, Indeed, our benevolent God, who knows the secrets of the hearts, is my witness that I am willing to be put to death if someone can find even an iota of error in the teachings of the Holy Qur'an, or can prove that his own scripture contains even the minutest merit contrary to and better than the teachings of the Holy Qur'an. This is such a grand claim that one cannot make unless one has perfect faith and absolute conviction. The Promised Messiah says that if a person believes in God Almighty and then ponders over the commandments mentioned in the Holy Qur'an, then a person would abandon the world and become wholly devoted to God. If a person has perfect faith and then deliberates over the Qur'an, then a person's attention would turn towards God instead of being immersed in worldliness. May Allah the Almighty grant everyone this cognizance. The Promised Messiah says, Of all the scriptures in the world today, the Holy Qur'an is the only one whose divine origin can be established with irrefutable arguments. It is the only one whose principles regarding salvation are based on truth and human nature. In other words, its principles regarding salvation are based on human nature and whose doctrines are comprehensive and firmly grounded in truth and are confirmed by powerful arguments, whose commandments are nothing but the dictates of truth and whose teachings bear no blemish of idolatry, human innovations and false deities. His teaching zealously promotes the oneness, greatness and excellence of God and it is filled to the brim in establishing the oneness of the glorious God. The Promised Messiah further states, It does not impute to him anything that is contrary to his oneness or attribute to him any blemish, shortcoming or unworthy attribute. It does not impose any teaching upon us. In other words, it does not force one to accept his teachings, rather presents proof for it. And whatever teaching it gives, first provides adequate proof in support thereof and explains each of its principles with proofs and clear arguments and leads its followers to perfect certainty and understanding. The Promised Messiah further states that it removes through clear and unequivocal arguments all the corruptions, impurities, defects and distortions that have found their way into people's beliefs, actions, sayings and deeds and teaches all ethical and moral norms, the knowledge of which is essential for becoming truly human.
In other words, in order to become a civilized person, one is in need of certain teachings, all of which can be found in the Holy Quran. And it resists every prevalent evil that is prevalent in each era with equal force. It is not the case that the Quran's teachings addresses the disorder of one era, rather it repels each evil with the same force it is spread in that era. For example, the evil that is rampant today, its remedy is also prevalent in the same force. And its teachings are straightforward, well-founded and flawless, as if they were the very reflection of the laws of nature and a true picture of human conscience. Indeed, they are the sun for the illumination of mind and heart and make good the deficiency inherent in reason and reform all harm of it. In other words, it explains in detail all rational points that are explained in few words and prevents one from harm. May Allah the Almighty enable us to become those who truly follow the Holy Qur'an and act in accordance with its guidance. And may He enable us to understand the Qur'an and live our lives in accordance with its teachings. Even after the month of Ramadan, make an effort to derive benefit from its blessings as you are doing so in Ramadan. In the month of Ramadan, pray especially to be safeguarded from the evil of the enemies of the Jamaat. May Allah the Almighty stop the hands of every evil one and seize them. Pray also for the world to be protected from disorder and turmoil. Similarly, there is unrest in Palestine these days. Pray for the Muslims in Palestine that may Allah the Almighty protect them from the cruelties of the oppressors. And may Allah the Almighty grant wisdom to the leaders of the Muslim world for them to put their personal interests aside and protect the interests of the Muslims at large. In this Ramadan, May Allah the Almighty open the doors of His mercy and blessings for us more than before.